Well, good morning, family. It's good to see you guys. I'm Ryan. I'm the lead pastor here at Radiant Life, and I want to welcome everyone watching online today. Welcome to Radiant Life. We are in a series that we kicked off last week titled More. The word that we truly believe that the Lord is calling, at least here at Radiant Life, for us into more. That there is more of God to experience than what we have in our walk so far. I don't know about you, but I need more of God. Now, you said amen. Do you mean amen that I need more of God or you want it too? Like, I'm not sure what one that was, but amen is awesome. Um, I love amens. Here's why I love amens. And amen means so let it be with me. Right? So let it be with me. So anytime you hear from the word on this stage, God's word being spoken, and someone says amen, you're saying, Lord, may it so be with me. Anytime we read scrip- scripture, <laughs> scripture, we ought to get an amen somewhere to say, I want it here, Lord, so let it be with me. Amen. So let it be. I want that in my life. Warning today, I'm going to get a little passionate. Okay? Here's why. I was wrestling with this, like, okay, Lord, why am I so passionate about this? Like, is it a working within? And it's, it reminded me, this is everything who you are, Ryan. It's everything who you are. So I come to you today as an overflow of who I am and what God has done in my life. And I hope it's contagious because God uses it in mighty ways, what we're going to learn today. I hope it's a creating a desire to learn the way of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Last week, as we kicked it off, we're going to do a little front-end review, and then we'll dive in. A little front-end review is we, we said, we started out with this psalm, Psalm 27.4. King David wrote this, and this is what David says. I've asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I, what, friends, I desire above everything to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. And our heart and prayer was, what would that look like for us to be a Psalm 27-4 people? That above everything that this world has to offer you and I as Christ's followers, that we desire more of God above everything. Because King David, he's in the palace. He has riches. Not quite the amount of, of riches that his successor, his son, Solomon, would gain. But, it, but from a worldly perspective, you would look and go, he's got it. But he's saying, I don't care about all this. I want to dwell with God. I want to gaze upon his beauty. I want to seek him in his temple all the days of my life. That's what I desire. What would it look like for us to become that type of people, Psalm 27, four people. What would it look like for you and I to have a deeper longing for more of Jesus Christ, our Savior? What would it look like to have a deeper longing to become deep in our faith that we aren't satisfied with superficial faith? Can I just say this? I truly believe this lost world is sick of superficial Christians. They're looking for a move of God. Is this God real? Can I just say this? I had prayer answered this week. It was awesome. I'm going to sit for this one. 
So on Thursday nights, our, our staff, Thursday mornings, our staff prays for the service. We sing, I told you guys this last week if you were here. Thursdays at nine, we sing together as staff. We sing one of the songs that we sing on Sunday. Then we put a chair in the center of the room and we ask if any staff member needs prayer and we'll lay hands on them and then we'll pray for the service together. And um, I said, hey, uh, I've been having some health issues, especially the last week. I said, I, I would like some prayer. And I sat in the chair and got anointed with oil and had the staff all lay hands on me and pray. And from that moment on, I did never have had that health issue again. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. I'm telling you, God God is on the move. You overcome by the word of the testimony, by the word of your testimony. By the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, there is power to story of what God's doing. There is power. And so in the midst of it, last night, you know, watching some NFL trying to fall asleep, and uh, my, my wife looks at me and she says something along the lines, we're talking about the prayer and just like, I, I have not had that issue that I was dealing with since the staff anointed me with oil and laid hands on me and prayed. And she's like, yeah, and I've also noticed you aren't as grumpy. <laughs> I was like, hmm. You know, like, okay. Didn't know I was grumpy before that moment, but... I guess, praise God, that I was, I'm not grumpy anymore, right? But, hey, let's go, let's be honest, though. When you're feeling a little sick, you probably are a little grumpy, right? That was that. So that, that was cool that my wife told me I'm not grumpy anymore. I long for more of Jesus. I long for a deep faith. I long to resemble Jesus Christ so well to this world. Because we're his plan. You're plan A. There's no plan B. Don't you scratch your head at sometimes and sit there and go, wow, you chose broken humanity to be your message bearers. First of all, to be your image bearers. Then second of all, to also bear your message to a broken, sinful world. That's pretty amazing. I long for more of Jesus. I long to become deeper in my faith to understand the mysteries of our God. I long for that. Jesus speaks into this longing, and my prayer is that that's that's the atmosphere that we're becoming here at the church. Jesus' own words in his greatest sermon he gives, that he kicks off this teaching ministry with, is known as the Sermon on the Mount. He gives every, all the people that are listening to him an idea about the kingdom of God. And he says this in Matthew, in the New Testament, Matthew, who was a tax collector. In other words, he was a good Jew who traded, the, who became a traitor because now he works for Rome, who the Jews despised because they were under the thumb of the oppression of Rome. He was a tax collector. Yet Jesus came to him and said, follow me. And we have his gospel, Matthew. And he records this, who was there at that event, what Jesus said. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what, friends? 
filled. My question to you is, are you a person who says, I hunger and thirst for more of God? Do you hunger and thirst for more of our Savior? Or are you okay in your walk with him just to get by? Are you okay? And I know this, and this is true, and Pastor JB, as he led worship, told us this too. The Lord is willing to give if you're ready to receive. The question is, are you ready to go where the Lord wants to take you? Because you will be filled in proportion to the intensity of your hunger. Do you hunger and thirst for more? You give God an inch of hunger, oh, he's faithful, he'll fill it. But give God six foot, six inches of hunger, whoo, that's a different depth. Different depth. How much are you really hungering and thirsty for more of God? He'll fill it. What's your intensity hunger for? And and last week, two weeks ago, we started telling you that 2023 is truly that we believe God is saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. The question is, are you willing to go? The choice is yours. And we talked last week when we said this, if we truly desire to be like Jesus, your Savior, your Lord, then you will take the way of life Jesus lived. We can't just say, hey, nice to know you. Thanks for saving me. Now we're done. That's not the life. The ancient world got this. This is why we have the word disciples, right? You have a rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And then you have over here, you have disciples, which means learner, apprentice. And they learn from their rabbi how to live their life and what they did. You would look up to your rabbi. You did everything your rabbi did. In the ancient world, the good Jew would have memorized by the age of 12 due to the Jewish schooling learning system, you would have memorized by the age of 12 the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Memorize to heart. Jesus, as a Jewish rabbi, would have had that memorized. The disciples would have probably gone to the schooling by the age of 12. Then can you go on to the next school? Does a rabbi pick you or not? Depending on what happens, it appears to us the disciples were not picked by a rabbi. That's why they're back doing the family business. They didn't make the cut. And Jesus says, come follow me. But they would have probably still had those first five books of the Bible memorized. Whatever Jesus would memorize, they would memorize. Whatever Jesus did and taught, then they would do. They would be examples of their rabbi Jesus. Here's my question. Are you? Can you truly say, yes, I'm a follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, but does, have you taken the way of life Jesus did? Do you do the practices? And we talked last week this idea that we're going to look at Jesus' life and figure out what did he do so you and I can walk that as well. They're known as spiritual disciplines. And we said this last week just in review, that spiritual disciplines are the ecosystems in which the garden of personal transformation grows. That you and I put ourselves in the ecosystems for personal transformation to look more like Jesus Christ. Here's the beauty. Do you have to? Oh, friends, we get to. Why would we not want to? 
Why would I not want to look more like Jesus Christ? And there's things that you and I put ourselves into that's an ecosystem for growth. I wrote on this little white, uh, whiteboard in our office this statement a couple weeks ago. I wrote, fruit grows on the branches of those who are juiced with the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we, when we kicked off this idea of all the spiritual disciplines you and I in this series are going to talk about, Pastor Brandon goes and writes a question to my quote. You can see it in the green. I know it's hard to read. Let me maybe zoom in and give you a better picture of his question. His question is then this. What greenhouse are we in for us to grow? It's a question for our staff. Hey, staff, are you growing? Are you putting yourselves into greenhouses and ecosystems that will have personal transformation growth into Jesus Christ? Are you doing that, staff? And now my question is, what about you, friend? Are you doing that? So welcome to the first discipline you and I are going to engage in for several, several weeks. It's called the secret place. I won't unpack the entirety of the secret place this week, but this will be an ongoing. I'm just going to mention one aspect of the secret place. This is why the chair is here. It comes from Psalm 91.1. And the psalmist says this in verse 1. He who, what's that one word? He who dwells. That word dwells means in the Hebrew to remain, to sit, to be inhabited. Inhabited. He who dwells, he who remains, he who sits, he who is to be inhabited in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I don't know about you, but if there's a shadow I want to be under, it's under God's shadow. I want to be under his protection and his covering in my life. And there is a spot where you and I come and it's just God and us where you and I are able just to sit and be indwelled with the presence of God to know that the covering of the almighty is over me it's the secret place there's a lot of things that happen in the secret place you can call this your quiet time again secret doesn't mean like no one else like knows well it means it's between you and the Lord This is when you and the Lord get an encounter with one another. This is beautiful that we as family of God get to come together and have an encounter ourselves. This is beautiful. You know what this is? This is a glimpse of heaven. When all brothers and sisters in Christ, when we're up in heaven, worshiping, doing whatever we're going to do in heaven, (laughs) don't know to the full extent, but I know worship's involved, but I know worship is more than just singing which we'll talk about worship as a discipline in a few weeks. But it's here. You know, Jesus sets this example for you and I. Look at the language. Jesus doesn't, the gospel writers doesn't use the secret place, but look at the language how Jesus gets away. And we looked at some of these, but I want to look at a little bit more of the life of Jesus. If you and I are to take up the way of Jesus, look what Jesus did. Mark records this. I'm going to go through this quick. Very early in the morning, very early in the what? Uh, Just out of curiosity, let's have fun for just a moment. Raise your hand if you're a morning person, just out of fun. Wow, okay. How about night owls? Wow, okay, we got a good split. All right. 
Very early, don't worry, I'll appease both groups. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and there he was praying. He got away early in the morning to a deserted place where no one else and him and the Father connected. Do you see it? A deserted place. We don't know where, but a deserted place. He got away to connect with the Father. Here's what Matthew records for us another time. After dismissing the crowds, Jesus just fed the 5,000 with women and children. You know, conservatively, maybe it's about 15,000 people he just fed. Did a miracle. Pretty crazy. That's one of the miracles I'm going to ask Jesus. How did you do that with just a few loaves and a few fish? Like, you ever really think about that miracle? That's crazy cool. And he says he dismisses the crowd. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the what, friends? Night. night. There you go, night owls. He was there alone. At night, he had to get away to be with the Father. In the morning, he had to get away to be with the Father. Luke records to us in this. When it was day, he, Jesus, went out and made his way to a deserted place. Another time. He had to get away and connect with the Father. Luke also records in chapter 5, yet he, Jesus, often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. prayed. He often did this. It was a lifestyle that Jesus took. I have to get away to a place by myself to be with the Father. Luke records in verse 11, when he was praying in a certain place, away. And if you know the rest of that story, the disciples find him and they're like, teach us to pray. There is something special about your prayer, your connection with the Father that we want. But where did that develop? I would, I would contest to you, it's because he's going to a certain place all the time to have intimacy with the Father, to overflow himself out of that intimacy to others. Jesus had a certain place, a certain time that he connected, that he absolutely connected. Do you? Do you have that certain place and that certain time? It's the secret place. It's the place where it's you and God. And you're understanding the covering of the almighty that is over you, protecting you, and speaking to you. So I want to unpack a little bit of what the secret place can look like. You'll hear more next week and the following weeks. There's certain disciplines that we can use within the secret place. This morning, I want to talk about one that has radically changed who I am and is who I am because I see it all throughout scripture, first and foremost. And I know this is my God-given wiring. You're like, oh, well, if it's not my God-given wiring, do I have to do it? Yes, you do. I do believe that. I'll understand it's my God-giving wiring to teach this. I know it is. So let's journey together. If you got your Bible, let's go Psalm 1. Don't worry, it's only six verses. We're going to break it up verse by verse. Psalm 1. Look at what the psalmist writes. Psalm chapter 1, and it'll be on the screens for you. It says this. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked... Or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Don't you just love those three words? Walk, stand, sit. Walk, stand, sit. 
I think believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, we got to know how to walk, how to stand, and how to sit. Let me unpack this for a moment. You and I must know what it's like to walk in the advice of God and not the wicked. You and I must know what it is to walk in the advice of the godly and not the ungodly. And here's our issue in our faith. When you and I are faced with a problem, here's what we do. We turn to a lot of things to fix our problem. And whatever answer sounds good just to get us out of the problem, we take. And we never ask the question, is this godly or ungodly advice? You get into the quiet place and open the word of God, this will be the best godly advice you can possibly get. His own words inspired by Holy Spirit. The words of God. The best advice comes right here from God's word. Amen? May our advice not come from the world. May our advice always be from the word of God. And it's in these moments that you and I learn in the secret place as we open God's word, you and I will understand what it's known to discern. We'll understand what's right and right and right and wrong. Why? Because we know his word and now we know his voice. And now you know how to discern really well. Am I listening to the Lord's voice or am I listening to mine or am I listening to the world's voice? This has huge implications, friends. You and I must know what it's like that we do not stand in the pathway with sinners. Here's what I mean. Here's what not I mean. Here's what the writer of Psalm 1 means in this. That you and I, if we are transformed by Jesus Christ, we don't walk the way we used to walk. Our life has been transformed. We are made new. We are a new creation. Amen? We don't do the things we used to do. We no longer stand in the pathway with sinners. Our path is different. Our path sometimes is the least traveled path that the Lord has you on. Go walk that because narrow is the gate to Jesus, but wide and broad is the narrow that leads or wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction. You and I no longer stand in the pathway discipleship with Jesus Christ will cost you something. It is free to receive, but there are things that will cost you. There are things that you're going to have to crucify and get over your flesh. And sometimes it's, I don't do those things anymore. I don't stand in the pathway with sinners. I'm on the pathway to holy living. And by golly, when I look back at that pathway, I want to grab my friends and tell them about Jesus Christ to get them on this path. Because I know what a transformed life with Jesus looks like. The psalmist says this in Psalm 16, He says, you reveal the path of life to me. You want to know what the path of life is? Understand the word of God and what he's given us. So many people walk around, I, I want to know God's purpose and stuff, and I, want, I always want to ask, how often are you in God's word? This is the best counsel you and I can get, it's right here. And don't get me wrong, I know there's a lot of confusing things that we need other believers to say, hey, help me understand this, because I'm really lost here. I'm lost. And that's why we need to be in community, biblical community. He says, in your presence is abundant joy, come on. 
This is why I love the secret place. This is why I start every single day right here with the presence of God because I don't want to do life without the presence of God. And there's joy. And now I start every single day in joy. Did I always? Nope. This was a grind for me. The spiritual disciplines and practices are a grind. When you're trying to start a new habit, does it always come like that to you? No. Now it says it takes 66 days on average to create a new habit in your life. There's a grind that takes place. And of all things, do you think the enemy of your soul wants you to be sitting right here in a chair just with God? He will do everything to distract you. People say, Ryan, I don't have time for this. Listen, you don't have time not to have time for this. You don't. Then get up earlier. And I'm serious, I I love you. I say that. Get up earlier. That means you may have to go to bed 30 minutes earlier than what you do. So guess what that means? Stop binging Netflix, Netflix, hit the pause button, pick it up the next day to make sure you go to bed on time so you can wake up 30 minutes early and just start the day with, start your day with God, right? This is just one aspect. This is word. We'll get into worship and prayer. You can start your days that way. And I know every, every day looks different and we will never be up here as your pastors to say mimic what we do. I think there's practices for you and I to engage in that we must engage in. The ecosystems, the greenhouses you and I get into to have personal transformation to grow into Jesus. Here's my question to you. What path are you currently on? Are you on the path of Jesus or are you on the path of the world? The choice is yours. One will lead to destruction and one will lead to eternal life. What path are you on? Lord willing, I hope you're on the path that leads to eternal life. And it is a beautiful path. It's a beautiful path. Another discipline in the path is part of this sitting in the presence of God in the secret places. We'll understand the practice of holiness too. Revealing to us what holy living, where did you and I get off on the wrong path? Where do you and I need to get right back on to some holy living in our lives? Oh, I can't wait. This world needs, needs holiness. <laughs> it desperately needs holiness. And that's what you and I are called into, is a life of holiness. But what does that look like? Can I just say, I'm thankful for God's grace. <laughs> when I screw this up, thankful for grace. I love the Holy Spirit as a prompter. Ryan, you screwed that one up. Go confess, repent. Now let's go. Let's go. And then the last part in that, the third is, is sits in the company of mockers. Sits in the company of mockers. For some of us, you and I may need to understand the spiritual discipline of community. Oh, I'm in community. I hear that a lot, right? I'm in community. It's great. We all need people. Listen, there's only one type of community that believers truly need. It's biblical community. Biblical community. We need brothers, sisters in Christ to speak into our lives as well. The Holy Spirit uses brothers and sisters in Christ. You know that, right? Men, how many times has the Holy Spirit used your wife to wake you up, right? Just a few of us. Man, I'm going to tell you, 
Sometimes Holy Spirit has a beautiful face and it's called your wife, okay? Just to wake up, thanks. Holy Spirit used you to wake you up, to wake me up to go over here now. We need biblical community. Sometimes, sometimes. And I'm not saying, oh, Ryan's saying he can't be with sinners. No, I'm saying majority of our time should be spent in biblical community. Listen, if you've got lost family members and friends and coworkers, they need Jesus Christ, we ought to spend some time with them. But majority of your time ought to be spent in biblical community, right? The issue is, in church world, we've become inundated in these holy huddles, and we no longer reach the lost. For Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, the mission statement of Jesus Christ. He says that about himself. We must still engage this broken world, because they need Jesus. And we've got the answers. Verse 2, this is awesome. Instead, his what, friends? His yeah that's what I said right did I say something yeah instead his what friends it's not on the screen it's on my screens why isn't it on your screen I was really curious why there was like no response I was like what is going on (laughs) What is the screen behind me? <laughs> Y'all are lying. Y'all are tricking me, aren't you? <laughs> Instead, his what? Is <laughs> in the Lord's instruction, right? His delight is in the Lord's instruction, in the Word of God. Let me ask you a question. What gets you excited? Okay, we're good. It's there. What gets you excited? What do you delight in? Oftentimes you know by what you give your attention to. And the psalmist says, listen, instead... Their delight is in the Lord's instructions... Do you delight in God's word? I know there's confusion in it some parts and you don't know and you're like, scratch your head like, what God, what is God saying here? But do you delight in this thing? I love what Martin Luther has to say about God's word. It's fantastic. It's a little hard to understand, but I think we'll get it. Martin Luther says this, I could not live in paradise without, or I could not live in paradise without the word of God, but I could live well enough in hell with it. What is Martin Luther saying? Even in the worst of hell, and it's painful, I may be able to live well enough if I can just saturate in God's word. Hope from here. The Lord's instruction. Maybe well enough? Do you see what Martin Luther's getting at? The importance of the word of God. Charles Spurgeon says this, Man must have some delight, some supreme pleasure. His heart heart was never meant to be a vacuum. If not filled with the best thing, it will be filled with unworthy and disappointing. May you and I be filled with the the word of God. May this dwell richly within us. 
that you and I would get to a place where we say, yes, I get to read God's word. Not, oh, I have to, I should. God, do you notice me reading a little bit of it? Where you and I can't wait to wake up and go, I can't wait to engage this before I head off to work. God, what do you have in store for me? You can measure your delight for the word of God by how much you hunger for it. Do you hunger and thirst for it? Is it there? Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And then he says this, this is awesome. He meditates on it day and night. What is the psalmist saying here? The psalmist is saying, listen, day and night, it's all the time. You are meditating on God's word all the time with our walk. Now, meditation gets a bad rap because we have a very Eastern view on this mystical meditation. It's not what Christian meditation is. See, the Eastern mythical weird meditation is to empty the mind. Can I say that? Can I say this about that? That is a horrible place to get into. I never want my mind empty. I wonder if the enemy of our soul goes, I can't wait to fill it now. How can I get here? Don't empty your mind. Christian meditation means to fill the mind. That you and I are to meditate on God's word day and night. That we are filling our mind with God's word. How great is that? Here's the issue. Many lack this because they only read and do not meditate. You only read and you don't meditate. You and I read because we're like, yeah, that's good. But meditation means to get into the quiet place, to find whatever you need, whatever chair, whatever's around, and meditate and chew on it. Don't just read the words, chew on the words. Bring them to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you have for me in this verse? I think the greatest thing you and I could do to engage the word of God is do it slowly. Do it slowly. How do you eat an elephant? First of all, who's eating an elephant? <laughs> but it's one bite at a time, right? That's the saying. Where do I start? Just one bite at a time. Read small chunks. It's okay to, sometimes, friends, sometimes I've read one verse and that's all I need for that moment. And I said, man, Lord, thank you. And then I may journal and listen to worship and pray and we'll get into all that stuff, but don't just read it. Meditate on it. Chew. Allow it to fill your mind. I love what Charles Spurgeon, here's another quote by Charles Spurgeon. You'll love this one. It's funny. It's true, but it's funny. He says this, it is not only reading that does us good, but the soul inwardly feeding on it. How cool is that? right? And digesting it. A preacher once told me that he had, he had read the Bible through 20 times on his knees and never found the doctrine of election there. Okay. It, this won't be about the doctrine of election. And some of you are like, what the heck is the doctrine of election? You ought to join the Radiant Institute and you'll find out what the doctrine of election is. Okay. That's a plug for Radiant Institute. But here's the point. He says, very likely not. It's the most uncomfortable position in which to read. If he had sat in an easy chair, he would have been better able to understand it. <laughs> you see what Charles Spurgeon's getting at. 
This idea that if you get into a chair, just find the secret place. The covering of the Lord is there. It is between you and him as you read and meditate and digest the word of God. Don't just read the word of God. Allow the word of God to get into you. And that's where transformation happens. And then the psalmist says this. He says, listen, here's a result if you do this. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. I truly believe that a lot of times there are family members in the faith that may get off track because they are not a tree planted beside flowing streams. They get out of certain ecosystems, if you will, that God uses to grow us. Listen, God never moves. It's us that move. And he gives an illustration. Delight in his word. Meditate on it day and night. And here's the result. You will be this tree beside the waters that will be life full of life, spiritual vitality, bearing fruit. Get away from it. Your leaves will wither and you won't prosper. Remember what I said, it's a grind. But every habit's a grind. What about the secret place? I'll be honest, every morning when I'm in the secret place, I say this prayer every single day. Holy Spirit, I don't want to be filled to my ankles. I don't want to be filled to my knees. And I don't want to be filled to my waist. Will you overflow me, Holy Spirit? And I always pray this as well. Take me to the deep waters of faith. Because that's where you're calling us to. And I want to go. We looked at this verse. Remember what Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in you. You're going to produce fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. And then at the end, and I'm finishing here. At the end, this is great. This is my new favorite word. Juxtaposed. The psalmist juxtaposed a righteous man to a wicked man. The first three verses was what we do as believers. The righteous. And then he juxtaposed, which means to pit against what the wicked or the ungodly do. And this is what he says. The wicked are not like this. They don't delight in the word. They don't meditate it. They're not a tree that's flourishing. No, the wicked are not like this. Instead, they're like a chaff. The chaff that the wind blows away. It's the part of the grain head, the covering of the grain head that is like weightless. Huh. It's blown away because it's weightless. May you and I be a massive oak tree with deep roots that when the storm comes and the winds, we're not rattled. Become weighted with his glory. Don't be weightless. It says, therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Wow. May you and I fall in love with God's word. As I land the plane, there's a beautiful quote by Richard Foster who wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline. It's all about understanding the spiritual disciplines that you and I get to engage with. Do you have to? It's your choice. We get to do this. 
we get to do this together and we'll teach it and we'll guide. But here's what Richard Foster says. You must not be discouraged if in the beginning your meditations have little meaning to you. There is a progression in the spiritual life and it is wise to have experience with lesser peaks before trying to tackle the Mount Everest of your soul. Please hear this part. So be patient with yourself. Please, that's for someone I know that is. Be patient with yourself. Besides, you are learning a discipline for which you have received no training, nor does our culture encourage you to develop these skills. You will be going against the tide, but take heart, your task is of immense worth. The other side is a tree that's flourishing. The other side of all this is you bearing fruit, remaining in Jesus, to come into his presence each and every day to say, Lord, teach me, teach me. My prayer before I enter into the secret place is a simple progression of this. I take the word and I kiss it. And I say, Heavenly Father, may your word become alive to me. And then I look at the couch that's across from my chair and I say, in Jesus, will you come and hang out with me? And then I say, Holy Spirit, as I open the word, will you teach me? And then I engage the word. For me and my walk, it's how I start my day. And we'll get into some different things. And again, we're not saying copy exactly what Pastor Ryan does. Elements, obviously, the practice, but find what works for you. Here's the beauty of the secret place. The secret place will become the sacred place. even be, oh, I have to do it. You'll be so excited to find that chair in your house, find the secret place, wherever that may be, understanding the covering of the Almighty, and you get to meet with Him. It's beautiful. The team behind me is going to sing a verse and a chorus over you. May what they sing minister to your heart about the secret place. See 
secret place at the picnic table and I said my prayer that I taught that I said I say before every time I open God's word and I have a moment I journal I, I, I turn on worship music I do worship in the moment in the secret place and I pray if something happened to me that I've never had happen since then year and a half ago it was really tough that I lost my grandma, my grandpa and my father in a span of about a year and a half I lost all three of those people and I had worship music playing and I, I, I got done praying and I opened my eyes I'm telling you across the picnic table it felt like my grandma, my dad, and my grandpa were right there. And I just started bawling. I've never had a vision like that before. And God used that time to teach me something. 
never had that happen before. Ever. But God knew what he needed to do in that moment. And I truly believe he gave me a spiritual vision and glimpse of something in the, in the spiritual realm right there. Never has that ever happened before. And I bawled and just started worshiping. Thank you, God. moments have radically changed my life I didn't always have the secret place in my walk with Christ I think the question is that the Lord's imposing and asking us where is your certain place and when is your certain time and he just wants to have a date with you in other words when and where is your secret place? So Heavenly Father, I thank you that we get to have these disciplines in our lives to experience more of you. I thank you that we can cuddle up in a chair or a couch or whatever and just be with you. It's not necessarily just to get in the word, although that's a win. The win is knowing I'm in the presence of God. To pray the Samuel prayer of speak, Lord, for your servants listening. This culture is going far too fast for us. And we just need to slow down to hear your voice. To know that we're under the covering of the Almighty in these moments of the secret place that we stand in awe because we're reminded of who we are but most importantly who you are God